Okay, I think, am I, yeah. Well, good morning, everybody. It's always a delight uh, to be here at CLC. Uh, we really like your pastors and we love their kids. Uh, my goodness. Boy, I'm telling you, I'm trying to decide where to go this morning. Uh, you can rest, even though I've been out of the pulpit a couple of months here, I don't intend to try to catch up in one service. Uh, but the presence of the Lord's in this room. And I just, uh, you know, I was standing there and uh, I felt like <clears throat> a priest that would go into the, and I, may, I think I'm gonna end up there, I don't know. I feel like I'm running my fingers along the veil that leads into the Holy of Holies. I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me this morning. So what's your expectation today? What's your, what are you expecting today? And I, I just, you know, every song this morning was talking about the miraculous. Every, every song was talking about the miraculous. And I just believe today that we are at a point and a place where we need to do what the Word says. I want to say that again. Need to do it. We've read about it. But there's some point you got to transition over into doing. And I believe God's looking for a people that believes not only can He can do it, He can do it through them. And I just, uh, so this morning, I, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm crying out, Lord, what do you want to do in this house? What do you want to do in the people that's in this room this morning that you've appointed for this time? Do you believe this morning that the Lord might have something for you beyond just coming for a Sunday morning service, which I'm not downplaying that. You ought to do that. Do you think God might have something more for you than what you might think or imagine? That today could be a day that, well, I'm of, of breakthrough in your life that you have thought about, heard about, but maybe never thought it could happen to you. I'm telling you this morning, anything is possible in this room. Amen. Amen. No, 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 let me say this. Everything is possible. I said everything is possible. We were talking, you know, we're singing about things. Y'all just have to bear with me here. I, I, I'll do my best to get to where I want to go, but I... We're singing about things that is absolutely impossible. Dead bones living. Graves turned into gardens. Are you hearing me? And I don't know if you noticed or not, but the Spirit of God was lighting on that. And what He lights on, what He illuminates, is what He wants to do. 
Maybe some of you here this morning, even all of us, could experience a level of resurrection life that we've never experienced before. I'm believing the Lord this morning. I, I, I know this. I'm, I'm, I'm moving toward this. Uh, the scripture that your pastor uh, shared from Romans where the writer said it's time to awake out of our slumber. It's time, time to awake. I think God's been trying to wake us up now for a while. I don't think for a minute that the Lord sent a virus. I don't think for a minute he did that. But you know what? Sometimes the enemy will play a hand and God will use it. And I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that we are at one. I, hmm, I'm going to be careful here. I think we're at an epic moment. I don't think this is just another, guys, this is not just another season that we're going to pass through. We are in a hinge moment in history. Now, I don't pretend to understand it all, but I think that the Lord has shown me a few things. And I am convinced that we are in the, uh, the early waters of a reformation that's going to change everything and get us ready for the Lord's return. How many believes we can stand getting ready? Can I use that? I believe that with everything. Here, here's a couple of interesting things. I've talked about this here years ago. I, I can't remember when, but Every 500 years, all the way dating to Abraham, we're talking about from Abraham to our day, every 500 years, there was a major upheaval. There was a major transition every 500 years. Does anybody know what October 31st, 2017 was? And it wasn't Saban's birthday. Anybody know what that was? The anniversary of the 500-year Reformation. I started seeing this, and I believe I see this, and I started talking about it for a while. That every 500 years, it's like God says, I'm going to shake things up. Now, here's an interesting thing. Also, historically, every time there's been an upheaval like this, this is historically documented, what I'm going to tell you, is that there has been an accompaniment of some kind of generalized human illness that historians has labeled as pandemics. It looks like, here's according to historians, that there's a co-occurrence between history's pandemics and times of reformations. I want to 
I want you to understand, while this pandemic is going on, that it's way, way, way more than what we would imagine. I think beyond a shadow of a doubt that God, like I said, uses the hand that the enemy tries to play. And we're in a moment right now, you're in a moment right now, where I just, I'm going to speak it, that we are going to see the dead raised. I'm going to declare it. We're going to see the dead raised. I got to declare it. I said I have to declare it. We're going to see the absolute things that we, we've talked about, we sing about it, we kind of get excited about it, and then we walk out and nothing happens. But I'm here today to declare it's time to do. I said it's time to do the word of the Lord and, be, and, and, and believe beyond what we can see. Uh, mm -mm. Y'all, here's, here's some things that I think that has got to happen. I'm going to get some scripture here in a minute. Every time that there's been a reformation or a reformation, there are a few common denominators that are without exception happens. Number one is a return to the Bible. How many believes we need to return to the Word of God? I said, how many believes we need to return to the book? I, listen, we, we, have, we have went through, we've been going through a, a very liberal mindset in churches and moved away, watered down, some have even discounted the miracles of the Old Testament. Are you listening? Can I talk to you this plane this morning? I feel like I'm at home. Discounted it, literally almost made fun of it. But I'm telling you, the Word of God, a return to the Word of God, was the key to the Reformation of 1517, and it will be a key to a Reformation in 2022. Right. We've got to return to the book and believe what it says. I love the Word of God, don't you? And I, I know you're looking at me and saying, well, you ain't said nothing from it yet. I'm going to. <laughs> this book is a living book. This book lives Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Where this word goes, life is produced. Right. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I've got no notes. I'm not on my notes. Carly's worked hard and has to be a return to the word of God. Second thing that is a common denominator to every reformation since Christ is this the rediscovery of the supremacy and sovereignty of our Lord Jesus Christ. I said a rediscovery of the supremacy and the sovereignty of Jesus. I, we declare that there is no name 
Not only is there no name greater than that name, there is no other name whereby men must be saved. It is the sovereignty of who he is. Now, (laughs) I believe that the Lord has given us a pattern to get to this thing. I think God's been doing some things. Uh, in, in, in the Old Testament, let me give a couple of scriptures. I, I got I to do that. In, in Exodus, of all places, I, actually, I, I'm going I'm to mess her up here, but I want to look at Exodus 25. I want to I look at verse 8 and 9. You're not going to have this on your screen. I think maybe the next ones. God is speaking to Moses. And what he's trying to do is he's wanting to create a place where he can land. God's trying to create a place where heaven and earth can intersect. Where his presence, in fact, he says it this way, I I want a place where I can meet you. How many wants a place where God can meet with you? Now, and so he says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Now, here's the key. According to all that I show you, that's the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all of its furnishings. Just so shall you make it. It's interesting to me that God did not give Moses an opinion on how to do it. Moses had no input whatsoever. All he did was dictate and take all of uh, the the, uh, different aspects of it. And and God says again to him in, in chapter 25, he says this again, and see to it that you make them according to the pattern which I've shown you on the mountain. And in verse chapter 26, he's saying it again in verse 30. And you shall raise up the tabernacle according to its pattern, which you have been shown on the mountain. While Moses was on the mountain 40 days with God, God gave him a pattern of a tabernacle where not only could God come down, but where people could have access to him. I want you to think about this just a little bit, and I'm I'm, I'm going to go somewhere with this. Now, now let's flip over to Hebrews chapter 8. Let me give you this uh, along with this. Now, this is the main point of the things we're saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven, a minister of the sanctuary. Now, notice it says the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. For every high priest appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. And then he says this, Therefore, it's necessary that the one also have something to offer. For if he were on earth, it would not be a priest, or he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law. Notice this, who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things. The pattern that God gave Moses on the mount to build the tabernacle was actually a copy of a tabernacle in heaven. I want you to get this. 
As Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle, for he said, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mount. Then he says, but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also a mediator of a better covenant, which is established on better promises. Here's what I want to talk to you about in just a few minutes, because I believe God wants to take us somewhere special today. The Old Testament tabernacle, the blueprint of the tabernacle that God gave to Moses is a pattern of how we get into his presence. How many knows we've been in his presence? How many thinks there's more to get into? Do you? Now, so, so it quickly, you're, you're going to be familiar with it. It had three dimensions to it. Had the outer court, which had the brazen altar and the laver. The inner court, which had the golden lampstand, the table of showbread, and the altar of incense. And then beyond that was a veil, or in front of that was a veil. And beyond the veil was the Ark of the Covenant with the cherubims overshadowing it. And God said, I'm going to meet with you there. Now, here's the problem. We got to get from the brazen altar to that Ark. We want to get in that presence. Now, so here's what I think. I think that, that this is absolutely a progressive, a progressive way of moving where God wants us. So I want to break down about five things real quick. I believe God has been progressively restoring things to the church. The first thing, and I'll mention this, was the great, in the Great Reformation of 1517, that reformation restored, great, this is good, you did good, Carly. The Protestant Reformation restored the altar of sacrifice, the blood, and justification by faith. It is it, when I, I got to look at this, I realized, or I think I realized, that the body of Christ had basically been locked out of the presence of God. And a man by Martin, by the name of Martin Luther, reading the Word of God, everybody say the Word of God. Word. Remember, return to the Word of God. Discovered a little verse in Romans about justification by faith. And all of a sudden, he began to realize, you know what? The priest can't justify me. The church can't justify me. The only thing that justifies me is the blood of Jesus. Hmm. I want to say to you that here in 2022, the blood will never lose the blood will never lose its power. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Martin Luther got a hold of that truth and it turned the world upside down. God, I feel like God established that 
with Martin Luther. And, and, and that's established at the brazen altar. It's that place where the sacrifice, let us never, ever, ever forget what it took to save us and make us righteous and justified in the eyes of God is a bloody offering. We're trying to clean it up too much. I'm telling you, we don't want to clean it up. We want to see it for what it is because if you don't see it for what it is, you will not abhor sin. Okay. So I feel like that that was the opening. You know, let me just say this. When Martin Luther tacked his 95 thesis or complaints on the uh, church door of the uh, castle church door in Wittenberg, Germany, he had no idea that he was talking about us. <laughs> he just thought he was, he did, he just thought he was trying to straighten the Catholic church up. He had no idea that he was going, or God, oh my, that God was going to use that and turn the world upside down and create a church. Hello, a body of believers like you and I. He had no idea. Now, let me move along. So the Great Reformation was critical because it was a restoration of the necessity of the blood of Jesus for the justification of our lives, our salvation. The second, now I want to talk about Two, actually. I want to jump to the first great awakening here in America. In the 1730s, 1740s, boy, great, great, great. You can look up here and see this. The two principal preachers of that day, George Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards. One, Jonathan Edwards was a brilliant educator and preached in the Northeast. Now, I like, and I, I, I would, anybody ever heard of the message, uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God? Jonathan Ed Edwards preached that. You probably wouldn't enjoy it. From what I understand is he just sit and stood and, and read it on a piece of paper. And, and you know, I don't know how, how, how well that went. All I know is people were screaming and crying saying they, they wanted to get saved afterwards. But he was, let me say it this way. Jonathan Edwards was a highbrow educated man. And, and I, if I remember correctly, he even became the president of Princeton College. George Whitfield is a little different. George Whitfield had one eye that went one, a different way. And he was more of a circuit riding preacher. Jonathan Edwards was preaching to the, to the elite of the day. George Whitfield's down here preaching to us Southerners. He didn't care if you were a slave. He didn't care if you were a, a, a professional person for whatever the day. He preached to them all. He preached so powerfully that even Benjamin Franklin, who was a deist, would go listen to him and declare, there's something different about this message. These guys were preaching, and I, I, I connected them together on purpose. Notice that the 1730s was a great awakening, and then the 1790s to 1840s was another great, uh, 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 the second great awakening. And, and these three men were the principals uh, that, that, that preached during this time. But here is what I want you to see, this bottom statement. Their preach, both of these awakenings, 
had to do with the holiness movement restored the brazen altar, washing, cleansing, and sanctification. I think this is critical. That laver was where you went in. How many knows you get saved at the brazen altar? How many has ever <clears throat> stumbled after you got saved? Had a bad day or two, right? Well, that, brazen, that, that labor was for those bad days. It's kind of like what Jesus said to Peter when, when, when Jesus was going to wash Peter's feet and Peter said, oh no, just wash me all over. Jesus said, that's not necessary. We got that done. What we need is your feet and your hands cleaned up. We need you walk and you work. And so that brazen labor brought a holiness message that needed to be heard. The church had gotten, you know, even today, if we're not careful, we can get encrusted in our ways. We can get hard toward the Spirit of God. Hello. And it happened. And so these guys come along and they, because people begin to, and boy, this is a 2022 message, lax and lazy. We don't hear too much about holiness today. You can tell that I'm not 35. I'm about twice that. Holiness, without which no man can see God. There still needs to be a cleanness in our walk. That's not anti-grace. It is saying to us that if we've given our life to Christ and we have, listen to me, that, that, let me back up just a second. Huh? If that, that brazen altar not only speaks of Christ's sacrifice, it also speaks of us laying our lives down in submission. Amen. Jesus said it this way, if any man would take up his, whoa. Well, but let me just say, I don't know anybody that bears a cross that hasn't had to submit. So if we've submitted our lives to Christ, then look, and what he's saying is, I, I know you're not going to live perfect, but I've got a labor there. And listen, he, here's what the scripture says. If you will judge yourself, no man shall judge. You won't be judged. What he's saying is look in that thing, see what needs to be cleaned, clean it up, because I've got something waiting for you just beyond this. You hear what I'm saying? Just beyond this, I've got something waiting for you that's better than what you, and listen, what's beyond is going to help you with what you've struggled with. And so I think the first and second great awakenings brought the holiness message that I think is still valuable today. Then, I want to turn, leap forward to what I call the Pentecostal outpouring. 1904. And I love that to pre the others had dates, ending dates. I don't know about you, I'm glad this doesn't have an ending date on it. Now, now, now hang with me here. I don't know your background. Uh, don't let that word Pentecostal shake you up. 
It's just, it's a Bible word. I didn't invent it. It was the day of Pentecost. The Pentecostal outpouring of the 19, in 1904 was, in my opinion, is, well, if you'll look, the outpouring restored the golden lampstand, illuminating, anointing with power and gifts of the Spirit. In, 19, in the beginning of 1900s, a revival broke out in Wales. Uh, Sandra and I was there uh, a few years ago, actually went to the church. I actually got a stand in, in the, uh, the pulpit where Evan Roberts spoke to 17 teenagers on a Wednesday night after church because he wasn't allowed to speak during church, so they had to have an after service and spoke to 17 teenagers that spawned a revival that within six months, 100,000 people were saved. Within six months, documented by uh, the, the local newspaper. So, and from that, there, in Wales, and I could go on and on about this, but let me move up. Let me, let me jump over to a little street called Azusa in California. And I love this. I love this. I, I mean, I've, I, I, oh. Some really interesting people gathered together. You had a black preacher by the name of William Seymour with one eye. I don't know what this one eye thing began to preach. The Spirit of God fell. I won't go into all the story, but the outpouring there at Azusa has now led, listen to me, as of today, the second largest group of Christians in the world are Pentecostal charismatic. I'm documented. That's not me. Documented. Second only to Roman Catholicism. And the truth is, it's infiltrated that. I don't know if you, well, unless I, 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 I digress. But here's what we've got to have. We, we, we're justified by the blood of Jesus. We have washed ourselves and sanctified ourselves at the labor. And now we move into the holy place. And the first thing that we encounter there is the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you, every one of us, I don't know, and, and you determine it, but I, we all need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We all need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need, I, I need, I want the illuminating power of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I think it's so interesting because we're getting ready to go to the table of showbread. I'm going to tell you, if you want to understand the book, Get acquainted with the one who wrote the book. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit is the author of this book. If you want, in, if you want revelation, he's the one to give you the illumination. And not only that, he comes with gifts and he comes with power. And we've got to have that gifts and power today. 
You need, I need, listen to me. I've, I've been doing this a long time, but my prayers fill me today, Lord. Fill me today. One person, I think it was D.L. Moody that made this statement, was praying, Lord, fill me with the Spirit. Fill me with the Spirit. And somebody said, why are you asking him to fill you with the Spirit every day? He said, because I leak. <laughs> How many knows we leak? How many knows we need to feel today? Today, during these 21 days, that's the thing that just keeps going over and over. And as I keep looking at this thing, everything that God says is about today. Today is the day of salvation. Today. Why are we deferring what God says is for us today? Holy Spirit, how many would just say, Holy Spirit, fill me this morning? I said, how many would say, can you, would you say it out loud? Everybody in here together, one, two, three. Holy Spirit, fill me today. Oh, God. Fill me today. Now, he, and I'm going to let him do that any way he wants to. He's a calm boss. Fill us with your spirit. Third, the, the next place is, uh, is the word of God. And I, and, and I wrestled around with this, is this what I would call the charismatic movement of 1960 to present. And don't let that word charismatic get you uh, twisted in any way because charis has to do with gifts. So it's gifts and, and, and so forth. But the, I think the charismatic movement for me helped restore the table of showbread, preaching and teaching the word of God. I was brought up Pentecostal as you might guess. And uh, so we were real spirit-driven, which is awesome. But how many knows that you have to balance the spirit with the Word of God? We need the Word of God. And we need the Word of God preached, and we need the Word of God taught. And for me, this began to ha this really began to happen. And, and so when we come to that table of showbread, we're coming to the Word of God in our life. We've got to get the Word of God in your life. I want to say this, and I think, I hope you get it the way I'm, I'm meaning it. If you don't have the Word in you, you don't have anything to stand on. You have to have the Word of God to stand. I need to, and listen to me, I can stand on a prophetic word, but Peter said we have a more sure word, and that is the written Word of God. We can stand on this Word. And we've got to come to it. Listen, we've got to come to it. We've got, we've, got to, we've got to get it. And the Holy Spirit, I love the way, the juxtaposition. you got the Holy Spirit, that, 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 uh, that menorah that, that's burning. It's lighting up that, that inner uh, court, and it's shining. What's it shining on? It's shining on the Word of God. It's telling us, look at the Word of God. Get the Word of God in you. Get the Word of God in you. Get the Word of God in you. Listen to me. If And look, I'm, I grew up on King James. Now I'm new King James. I'm new living. 
I love the Passion Translation. Listen, if it'll help me understand it, I'm for it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, the bars is King James, right? I heard Mark Rutland said, if you don't have a King James Bible, don't worry about it. When you get to heaven, you'll get issued one. <laughs> but you got to get the word of God in you. And, that, and it doesn't just happen by osmosis. Get your Bible reading plan. Do whatever you've got to do. Read, get the book in you, get the book in you. And I, I think God is, is doing that. And here's a powerful, let me, let me go this quick. Okay. The prayer movement, the prayer movement. It's a huge thing that's happened. They date the prayer movement from 1999 to present. The prayer movement restored the altar of incense where worship and prayer happens. I don't know, it was interesting to me when I was researching a little bit here. <clears throat> the International House of Prayer, we call it IHOP, in Kansas City by Mike Bickle. 1999, they started 24-7 prayer and worship. What I didn't realize was there was a group in England that started simultaneously the same time. So how many knows the Holy Spirit doesn't just speak one place? And so this prayer movement, and you guys have been in 21 days of prayer. How? My goodness. And, and listen, you don't, you don't pray because you're good. <laughs> Come on, you pray because the Holy Spirit's moving. He's some, and listen, the Holy Spirit has to activate that in your life. We're not that good. And why do you think that the enemy fights your prayers? I'm telling you, and I know all of us are kind of like this. I can go to prayer and the thing, if you want to remember what you forgot, go to prayer. <laughs> and why? Because he knows this is the key to unlocking what God has. I was thinking as, as your pastor was talking and, uh, and from Mark 11 there, it's interesting to me that in the, in, in the wilderness, Moses struck the rock and water came out. Elijah or Elisha struck the brook and it split. In the Old Testament, they were striking things, but in the New Testament, Jesus said, speak to it. Speak to it. Speak to it. Listen to me. I, I, you, you, men are, okay, guys, I'm just going to jump on you here. Men, so I can't pray out loud. But if you want power, speak it. I said speak it. Release it. Release it. And here's why. Because you're saying so much stuff that you don't want to happen. You better counter it with some things that you want to see happen. Speak it. Speak the word prayer, worship. I can remember years ago when Sam and I first started pastoring, we went, uh, pastored uh, for, a, for a little while in Detroit, Michigan. And we went to a church and uh, we went in and they were, they, they, they were kind of in cut, cutting edge at, for us at that time. Cutting edge depends on where you are. <clears throat> and they were singing 
worship songs, and they were standing there, it seemed like forever, with their hands up. Well, I wasn't used to that. I was used to going in church and somebody sung a song and somebody might stand up, somebody might not stand up. You have some sitting, some standing, and you know what? And, it, and they just seemed like forever. So I'm in there and I'm holding my hands up because everybody else is holding their hands up. I mean, those are what you do. You know, so we're, and I'm, I'm holding my hands up till my arms get tired. And I can't figure out why they have still got their hands up. My arms are tied. I hadn't come into it. I didn't understand what it was to move into a level of worship. You know, when somebody asks you to raise your hand, do it. Even if you don't understand it, do it. Every time you do it, you're moving in a direction that's going to bring you closer to the Lord. And finally, we kind of figured out what this worship thing is. Now, I, want, I, I cannot imagine not doing that. How about you? I, well, I see a hand. How about you? God bringing us into a movement. Now, finally, here's where I think, and I'm going to close with this right here. The last thing, and we're, we're not there, or we are there. We're just getting ready to experience it. And I call it the king-priest movement. The king-priest movement. In Revelation chapter 1, and I'm just going to drop down and read a verse here. And it's simply this. There are a couple of verses. Here's the message. Grace to you, peace from him who is and was and is to come from the seven spirits who are before the throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loved us, washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us, made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever. God wants to move us into the place of authority in prayer. Authority in prayer. We've got a great friend in Nashville, Tennessee right now. Uh, some of you may have heard Kent and Candy Christmas. They're, we've been covenant friends for 30 years. Uh, we've been with them in services over the last few months, different things, different uh, conferences and so forth. Their 44-year-old son, about 10 days ago, sitting in a parking lot, his wife gone in to pick up their son from a guitar lesson, had a major stroke, a brain bleed. Literally, 44 years old. He's married, got a beautiful wife, a 10-year-old boy and a 5-year-old boy. Right now, he is on life support. And many would say, well, is, is he dead? We're declaring that no matter what his state is, God, you turn graves. Can these bones live? I was talking to Kent the other day, and he said, Harry, I don't need weepers. 
I need warriors. It's time for the body of Christ, it's time as you as a believer, to step into the authority of the king priest that God has purposed by his blood even that we come into. It's time we pray, not wishfully, but as warriors that's declaring the word of the living God. I'm going to ask you today, I'm going to ask pastor to come back, but I'm going to ask you today to join with me and agree for Joshua Christmas. God, we're calling out. We're calling out for this boy. We're calling out. We absolutely believe. We believe, Lord, that you're going to show yourself mighty. And even if we look foolish in the eyes of the world, we're going to stand faithful in the eyes of God.